and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Talk 90 and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, you can find me most places on the internet at jadeoxfordrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we are talking about book number 32, The Separation, which is probably the most vilified book in the series. (laughs) Actually, no, not the most, second most vilified book in the series. It's the one with the starfish cover, y'all. You know the one, because it's the one that everyone always posts when they're like, oh, hey, how about those Animorphs covers? It's that one. Yeah. Um, it uh, was originally intended to be ghostwritten, uh, but when K.A. got the draft, they were like, mm, nah, this isn't going to work. And so they just rewrote it themselves. Uh, fun fact. So we cannot blame this book on them. Well, we cannot blame this book on it being ghostwritten, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't... This book isn't that bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not great. And I definitely have a lot of problems with it. But... It's def- it's not like the huge mess that I anticipated it being after all of these years. Like I haven't really read this book since I read it the first time. And when I remember when I read it the first time, I was like, "Oh, interesting, you know, whatever." Um and then, you know, spending 20 years on the internet, um mm. it you know, it very much uh colored the background view of like, oh, this is the most ridiculous book. Um, it's mm-hmm. not the most ridiculous book. Book 39 is the most ridiculous book. Um, Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it has some interesting things to say about characterization. Um, and the changes that are happening to the kids. Um, and it's it's a silly premise, but it's not it's not as out there as some of their other premises have been. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I give it a pass. I, so, my feelings before we get into the specific breakdown of the plot is I genuinely love this premise. I think this mm-hmm. is really fun and clever. I loved like round the twist. As a mm-hmm. kid, like, I thought that show was fantastic. And, like, like I say, this doesn't even compare to how ridiculous some of the previous plot beats have been. This is not a stupider premise than let's make sharks' brains bigger. <laughs> it is not more ridiculous than tiny aliens. Uh-huh. The problem with this book is the characterization. Mm-hmm. Not that they split Rachel into two people and used it to explore how she is at odds with herself. That is fascinating. That is great. 
I've seen plenty of other media uh, that have examined what happens when you break a person down and how we aren't functional when you try to cherry pick which aspects of a person you get. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work. And in this, it's like a microcosm of the group as a whole. Like as soon as you try to take a piece away, mm-hmm. the whole falters. Mm-hmm. And I like that there is a journey for Rachel in understanding no, I need both of these aspects of myself in mm-hmm. order to be the person my friends need me to be, to be able to do what I think I should be doing in this war. But the problem I have is the way it feels like character assassination, Yeah, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, my reading of this was I am pissed off that they took such an interesting premise and fucked it. Mm-hmm. Because there are there is a way you could have done like more violent, uh, short sighted Rachel versus scared and easily distracted and mm-hmm. like the strategist element of her. There are so many different ways they could have chosen to have these different aspects of her manifest. The fact that the kids refer to it as mean Rachel and wimpy Rachel. It just yeah. goes to prove how reductive and what a botched job I think they did of it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that you can you want to push into like extremes. One, because it is a children's book at the end of the day. You want to make it clear to the reader the of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And also you want to be able to make it clear why the kids want to put her back together. Mm-hmm. Why these two parts are A, so disparate from each other and to why it's so bad that they are. Mm-hmm. But I hate it. I particularly hate mean Rachel. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. ner- I'm going to call her nervous Rachel. Uh, for all the uh, weird, like, valley girl affectation stuff that seems to be going on, I found that quite interesting and quite compelling, mm-hmm. irritating in places but I gather that was the point. Mm-hmm. But the consistent of, 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 of murder, Rachel, because yeah. let's be real, that's the vibe. I refuse, mm-hmm. based on characterization, characterization we've seen so far, that Rachel at her most extreme on that side of things would be so ready to kill the rest of the others. Anybody yeah. else, maybe, at a real push. She would get herself killed first mm-hmm. more than anything else. And it pisses me off. And I think it ends up doing a disservice to the other characters mm-hmm. in them having to bounce off this fucking funhouse mirror version of Rachel. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. It, it I was is... reading this whole book just feeling so angry. Like, I'm not, like, the biggest, like, Rachel is my fave, but also, like, I find her super interesting as a character. And I was just reading this going, do the people just not like Rachel who wrote this? Did Are they <laughs> upset with Rachel? Because <laughs> it reads like they're upset with Rachel. Yeah. And I, I just... Meh. <laughs> I hesitate to blame it all on Time Crunch. 
I can understand a little bit of it being time crunch, but there were still choices yeah. made. Mm-hmm. It's the the Rachel we know is not the sum of these two Rachels. Mm. Good way um, to put it. It uh, so so for those of you who are somewhat confused, the, the conceit of this book is that Rachel gets split into two people. Uh quote unquote nice Rachel and quote unquote mean Rachel. Um uh and the the book goes on to talk about, you know, the different aspects of her personality that are in each half. Um, and it's mostly about, well, as Jade said, Rachel coming to terms with the fact that she needs both sides of herself in order to function. Hmm. Yeah, um, like, when we started getting into the nitty-gritty of beyond, like, oh, angry, ha- ang- angry punch happy Rachel and likes shopping and wants people to be her friend Rachel, when we got into the stuff like, n- like nice Rachel's ability to plan but like i like i've seen my adh my friends with adhd like have that exact struggle of in the moment thinking like uh, was it mm-hmm. short-term focus i think you highlighted mm-hmm. in our notes that is so interesting to me mm-hmm. like the ability to just act split away from the ability to see the consequences of your actions that mwah, good great or more of that please okay thanks because we've seen elements of that before. And like, because if you, we look to other characters, we've seen how Cassie's tendency to overthink things stops her from acting in the moment. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it with other characters as well, like how Marco can see so very far ahead, but sometimes struggles to like effectively pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. We've seen this behavior before. And I like the way they put certain aspects of Rachel at odds with each other by putting them in the different halves. Mm-hmm. But also people don't work like that. Yeah. And it is, it is a characterized, uh, character assassination, like you said, because like a nice Rachel, you know, I can take her leave. I can understand what they were doing with her somewhat. Mm-hmm. There, there's still yeah. some stuff in there that I don't like at all um yeah the boy like boy craziness is a little yeah and the the sudden (laughs) sudden valley girl talk Mm -hmm. um i can understand it from an aspect of a rachel trying very hard to be the teenage girl people expect her to be Mm -hmm. feels like a rachel very cowed by societal expectations Mm -hmm. of what a teenage girl is but we've never seen her code switch before no, no, we have not. So, yeah, like if we had seen her talk like this with some of her friends at the very beginning mm-hmm, and then saw mm-hmm. it just gradually go away, that would be one thing, but that's not. <laughs> no. I mean, I do appreciate them making it super clear, like, that mm-hmm. this is California at this point. Just like, oh, right, no, this is full, like, <laughs> no, this is California. I am sorry, the rocky part of the beach where the mansions and the are, like, mm, okay. <laughs> okay. There uh-huh. is nothing now. You no, we are done. No, no, <laughs> mystery um, gone. I want my Pacific Northwest version of animorphs. <laughs> okay, thanks. Where it uh, rains all the time. Play idiot teenagers with a death wish, kids. Um, so <laughs> mean Rachel, however, is way beyond what we have seen from Rachel. Even mm. when we are in her head. Yeah. 
Um, she is extremely violent to just an absurd degree on mm -hmm. multiple occasions goes after wild animals to kill and eat like mm -hmm. we saw David do and like was a huge fucking red flag when David did it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, like you said, she, she goes zero to 60 in terms of just down to kill the other animorphs, which doesn't make sense. I can understand mm -hmm. being like, okay, well, Jake, you're not the leader anymore. I'm the leader. Like, that's a thing that is worth exploring, mm. but not this, yeah. like, I'm just going to kill all of you. Like, that doesn't make any mm -hmm. fucking sense. No. And that's like, if you wanted to make an interesting case, like, incredibly scary, overprotective Rachel. Mm. Mm. Yes. Good. Not willing to listen to reason. Like, they hurt you. I'm going to end that person's existence. Mm -hmm. Like, there are creative ways that they could have done this. Yeah. Uh, the thought that just occurred to me uh, was I just thought about uh, Inside Out and the the feelings, and literally mm -hmm. we don't have happy or sad or disgust. We've literally just got anger and fear. Mm -hmm. We don't have anything in the middle, like all the things that complicate a person, mm -hmm. that influence it. That's why this split that they have chosen to written in this book is so reductive mm -hmm. and like we'll get into the breakdown we may never get into the breakdown we're just going to be two hours of talking about how fucked over this <laughs> <laughs> just like how mad we are about fucking Rachel over like this um I'm going to say a thing but yeah no, and now we have to like sit with the consequences of and Rachel does too because mm -hmm. at the end of the book, where she gets out, she remembers everything. Mm -hmm. She has to remember not only that rage, that willingness to throw down, but the way her friends reacted to her, the way mm -hmm. they talked about her, like confirming all her worst fears about herself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not even anything redeeming about that side of herself just that she can be violent like mm -hmm. nice rachel at least gets the planning mm -hmm. M mean rachel gets brave yeah but it isn't painted as brave it's painted as foolhardiness mm -hmm. and we've talked before about the whole thing about bravery isn't an absence of fear but rather the willingness to do the thing in spite of your fear mm -hmm. so without nice rachel it's just it's not even bravery Mm -hmm. it's just the lack of ability to see what's coming. Yeah. And like, although we get the couple of good beats with like angry Rachel, just like desperately trying to figure out, okay, what do I do next? And not being able to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Those moments are so few and far between though. Ugh. It's, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Mean Rachel especially, like, she's obnoxious as well. Not just, like, brusque, mm -hmm. but, like, the way she talks to people is outright rude and unpleasant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, we've seen Rachel be s snarky, we've seen Rachel be a little bit cutting. Sometimes she does say things off the cuff without maybe thinking them through. 
aside from Marco, we don't really see her do it to be hurtful. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm going to have to talk about this scene because what the actual fuck is Rachel, mean Rachel, pinning a girl to a counter by stabbing knives through her sweater. sweater. Yeah. Like, what the actual fuck? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's terrorizing another person, mm-hmm. a human. And Rachel has always respected human life. Her, her fucking incentive for like, yeah, nah, I'm going to do the war was another person. And I just, I don't understand why KA took it in that direction. Because they are capable of really subtle writing. We've seen it. We've seen mm-hmm. it with Rachel. And it feels yeah. like such a fucking waste. Because mm-hmm. I really love the idea. I want to see this with the other characters. <laughs> I want to see them like dealing with their own bullshit outwardly and like the p- aspects of them that make them good at what they do. And make it easier to see, oh, I have to be careful I don't end up too much like this. This is why I need to listen to this part of myself. Mm-hmm. And I like the starfish getting stabbed in two and then regenerating into two different Rachels. I think that's fun and clever. Mm-hmm. I'd, like, in a kid sci-fi series, I buy that. Star Trek has done more weird bullshit than that. <laughs> I mean, that's basically a replicator accident, isn't it? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, there's two. That's good. That's good, fun sci-fi times. <laughs> I can see why people hate book 31, is what this boils down to. 32? Yeah. This is 32. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. it's The problem is that most people don't hate book 32 for those reasons they hate it because it's dumb oh well then i'm sorry but people are wrong (laughs) come at me bro yeah there i mean that's not to say everybody like there are obviously people who have made these same points before um but yeah it's 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 vilified like 80 percent of the time just based on the cover which is, I mean, it is a particularly dumb cover. I'll it is a particularly you. weird cover. Uh, uh, all right, Going let's, co- full cone head on the front, just like yes. mm, bad luck. Yes. Um. Uh. Before we dive in, some book specific content mm. warnings. Uh. One for just way more violence than usual, because uh, mean Rachel is. Uh. uh hyper-violent in the weirdest way. Um, and we get nice descriptions of it, uh, um, including her going after, like, literal actual animals, and in one case, killing a fish. Um, uh, more sanism than usual, because Mean Rachel is frequently called psychotic, or, like, a psychopath. Um, that that's mostly what it boils down to in terms of the the sanism here it's she it, her violence is deemed crazy 
which, um, for those of you who don't know, there is a very big problem with equating violence and mental illness, uh, because the vast majority of people with mental illnesses are not violent, and that kind of stereotype makes it more likely that people will respond violently to them when they are having issues. Um, also some panic attacks, particularly from nice Rachel, because she gets so caught up in her fear, um, and some significant claustrophobia. Uh, okay. So, Rachel's on a field trip with the rest of her class. Um, Cassie's there, but she's not with Rachel. She's, like, off exploring. They're at the beach. They're exploring the tide pools. Um which uh is another indication that it's california really um and they are like most of the class is fucking around there are like three or four who are paying attention i would have been one of the kids that was paying attention yeah me too um <laughs> uh but like the boys are all roughhousing and the girls are kind of just like wandering around in small cliques except for rachel who is by herself oh we get our usual uh spiel about what the irks are um the nature of the war and we get this lovely little detail that i really appreciated which is kind of prescient for the rest of the book uh we after explaining about the yurks um we have uh, this line of, fortunately, we are not powerless. The Yerks aren't the only aliens with an interest in Earth. There are the Andalites as well. Night and day. Evil and not evil. And I really like that they chose that as the mm -hmm. descriptor. And it's explained like they're not, they may not all be saints, but one of them gave them the Andalite technology. Mm -hmm. But it's such an interesting observation to get. Yeah. Of like that awareness of what the Andalites are like. Mm -hmm. And that understanding of mor morally gray actions. Yeah. We get a lampshade over what will be an important point in both this book and next book. Um, about the anti-morphing ray. Uh, which is a new technology that the Yurks are developing that does exactly what it says on the tin. Um, it would make it so that if they're in morph, they are forced to demorph. Um, they've been informed by the Chi that the Yurk, the Yurks are working on this. Um, and they are, they know that they are going to have to go after it soon. Um, we didn't know enough yet to launch an attack, but attack we would. And then there would be the leaping and the screaming and the bleeding and the nightmares. Um, and then we get this line from Rachel that breaks my heart. I moved steadily away from the others. No one cared. They're glad to see me move on. They don't know why they're relieved when I'm gone, but they are. I guess I put off bad vibes, as my mom would say. And it's like, I hate that for her. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that she was popular. And, like, obviously being popular isn't the biggest thing. But, like, 
she had friends. And not only has the war kind of driven her away from them just by the fact that she's in a war and can't really relate to them anymore, but also, like, we're to understand that she puts off this air of danger that the other kids are sensing and avoiding. Yeah, even if they don't know what it is they're sensing. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a known behavior, especially of children, of like this awareness. It's why a lot of um, neurodivergent children are isolated by their peers. Because mm-hmm. kids don't necessarily know why someone is different, but they know that someone is. And they, uh, because they're kids, they act accordingly, which is either pick on or avoid the weird. Mm-hmm. She's off exploring on her own um, and uh, looks at one of the tidal pools that has like a starfish in it. Um, there's a crack between two rocks that goes down pretty deep. Um, and as she's leaning over to look into it, uh, one of her earrings um, falls off and into this crevice that she cannot reach. Um, and this upsets her because it's not just like one of her regular earrings. It is a gift from her father that he gave to her for her last birthday. And we know how she feels about her father. Um, he brought them back from a trip to Portugal. Um, so they're special. Um, I, I do like, I do like this explanation of her anger at it. Um, I kicked angrily at an outcropping of rock. This was a bad idea. I was barefoot. Now I was really mad. Mad that I was on a stupid field trip. Mad that I had dropped the earring. Mad that my dad for no reason except that I knew he'd expect to see me wearing them on our next weekend visit. I wanted that earring and I wasn't going to just whine about it. When I get mad, I get determined. When I get mad, I do something. Not always a smart thing. And gosh, if this couldn't be the Rachel that we had in Mean Rachel. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I, I like this kind of uh, avalanche of anger because it makes sense. It's you're mad about oh, one thing and you get hurt and then you just get mad about everything uh but it's not it's not a violently out of control anger right like it's a it's a frustration and then a okay well here is something right in front of me that could solve this problem let me do that and that is what mean rachel should be yeah yeah uh it just occurs to me like people say oh well this doesn't feel very realistic not that anyone is saying that, but, you know, for the sake of the straw man. It's like the immediate, all-consuming, fleeting rage of when your headphone cord gets caught on something and yanks out your, <laughs> gets yanked out of your ear. And yeah. for a split second, you just want to set something on fire. Like, uh-huh. it's that. And it's not just a directed violence or anything. It's just that brief, like, you're so angry. And then you're like, yeah. I'm angry that I got a wire caught on a head on a like a, a shelf or something it's not a big deal whether you like feel dumb for being annoyed at it mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it's real easy to see like that little anger spiral because i think that's yeah. an incredibly relatable yeah on like a more serious thing like my 
my depression manifests, um, one of the ways it primarily manifests is through anger. Like, when I wasn't on medication, I was angry all the time at everything. Like, it would be so easy for one inconsequential thing to just make me so angry that, like, I could barely see for it. Which is ridiculous. It would be like my husband parked a little too far over on the driveway. And I would just be angry for two hours. Like, I can understand that kind of anger spiral that starts with something almost inconsequential and mm. just kind of like gets out of hand. And you, you still kind of have control over it. You recognize the fact that you're irrationally angry. Yeah, here's but, the thing, and this is something I've seen talked about a bunch recently on just like Tumblr and stuff, is the problem with, I say the problem, the thing about mental illness and stuff like that is it doesn't matter how aware you are mm -hmm. of that this, like, the uh, reaction to something is irrational or that you know your depression is lying to you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't undo it. In the same way that knowing the source of your pain doesn't stop it hurting, mm -hmm. it just means you understand it. It fucking sucks because, like, okay, cool, I know what's happening to me and I hate it. Great. If anything, you feel more annoyed because <laughs> you know that it's not your fault. So mm -hmm. then you just get mad at your brain for having the reaction in the first place. I have a similar thing to Danielle, like, my anxiety. Uh, and depression can also like manifest as anger a lot of that time and recognizing that and realizing that is a scary thing because anger is a quick emotion and, and mm -hmm. some might say it's a simple one. It's, it's very, it's why kids are prone to getting angry because it's, it's not hard to process. Mm -hmm. If you have to start unpacking why you're angry, um, I'm just thinking about something Danielle and I are writing at the moment, but anger is easier <laughs> to understand because if you let yourself be sad, then there's so much to unpack with that. Just like, no, I'm angry. This happened and I'm mad about it and I'm going to break something because I understand being mad mm -hmm. because mad is a simple thing. Mm -hmm. And when all the other hormones and chemicals are in, or whizzing off in your brain, Anger is loud a lot of the time and easy to hold on to. Yeah. And what's that? Oh, I saw, I saw a thing recently just like anger is your brain protecting itself. It's getting ready to fight. Mm -hmm. Anger is useful. Mm -hmm. Like people like to demonize anger. And because anger can be incredibly destructive and it can be a very scary thing. Mm -hmm. And people, while angry, can do horrible things. But people can do horrible things while entirely calm as well. Mm -hmm. So just, I just, I just have a lot of feelings about how we, we demonize certain behaviors and certain emotions and an emotion in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just how we work with them, what we do with them. Like jealousy, inconvenient, frequently feels bad, has its uses. Mm -hmm. Like human beings are complicated animals that have a lot of feelings about a lot of things. And most of them have a reason. 
They produce hormones in the brain that help us stay alive, that help us deal with our surroundings. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and again, this is why this could have been so interesting as a book to separate an ability to, if you, if I couldn't get angry at stuff, yeah, oh boy, I'm one of those people where if I'm angry, I have told, I've told um, the part, my nesting partner, don't t- one. Don't ever tell me to calm down if I'm pissed off. <laughs> Bad idea. Bad idea. I always say, let me be angry for five minutes. Let me go yell. Let me go listen to some loud music and let me process. Trying to take that away from me is just going to make things worse. Mm-hmm. It's like, please don't minimize what I'm feeling. Even if it is a totally irrational response, let me have it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get over it. It'll burn itself <laughs> out and then we can continue. Yeah. I'm mad about this book, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be saying that a lot today. <sighs> um, uh, so she decides to do something uh, not necessarily impulsive. the smartest. It is impulsive. impulsive. Um, and she decides to morph the starfish. Um, that is sitting in this crevice. Uh, this is not a smart decision because she's on a beach with a bunch of people. Otherwise, honestly, it's like not that bad of a choice. We've seen them do worse. We've seen them do way worse. Um, it's just that she's on a crowded beach. Um, I also, before we move on from here, want to point out the fact that she is just wearing her morphing leotard underneath her outer clothes. Oh, it's got to be ready to go fight, haven't we? Yeah, you know, like you do. Hypervigilance. But yeah, so she acquires a starfish uh, before she can get started. uh, Some dude named Bailey, who is in her class comes over and is uh, like a teenage, I mean, he's a teenage boy, teenage about boy. It. he's a teenage boy about it um she's that like doesn't what? excuse this behavior it's <laughs> no. gross but he's just like hey looking good and she's just like i do appreciate how rachel is so baffled at first before she's like <laughs> oh this is because you think i'm hot right okay fuck off go away <laughs> <laughs> of course i look good i almost always do <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um and uh, and he just he it's the fact that he repeats it right like if he had just said it the first time it wouldn't have been creepy but then he's like looking good looking real good and it's like ew go away you weirdo yeah no don't care for that um but yeah she scares him off because she's just like yeah i've been over that now go away Get the fuck out of here. And he's like, you're so stuck up. And she's like, that's right. Now you know the difference between good looks and a good personality, which I love for her. <laughs> like, this is great. This is great little beat. This, I, this, we get this, this opening scene is just delightful. It's just mm-hmm. like Rachel being a little bit cantankerous mm-hmm. and just done with that. Cause it's like, I am dealing with so many other things that you couldn't even comprehend. I hate being a teenager sometimes. <laughs> and now I've dropped an earring. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. And it's like, she's such a good character is mm-hmm. the thing. And she's so self-aware. 
Yeah. Which also makes this book frustrating because of all the characters to get split into two and have to have a reckoning with the elements of themselves, I would argue Rachel's actually more self-aware. I mean, aside from maybe Marco, I think Mm -hmm. Rachel is the most aware. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like Tobias is introspective, but his a lot of his characterization is based around the balance of what is his human instincts and what are like the hawk, which mm-hmm. Rachel actually comments on in later in, mm-hmm. in, later in the book. Yeah, but <sighs> coulda woulda shoulda. Yep. Um, there's a family with some kids that are, you know, a little further down the beach, but she's got time. Um, so she morphs the starfish. Uh, we get a fun description of just like each of her limbs and also her head turning into a starfish arm. I, you know, if so, small tangent is <laughs> like one of the things that um they describe in the books a lot. Like whenever they're morphing, basically any four-legged mammal is they talk about their knees reversing direction, which doesn't make any sense because that's not how, like, mammal knees work. Um, They're digitigrade. They just walk on their toes and their ankles further up. Um, Anyway. um, But, like, it makes sense. Like, it would make more sense if Andalite technology worked by, like, changing the things that were already there into the things... Because everything, pretty much every animal on Earth, every vertebrate anyway, has the same basic skeleton, it's just different lengths of things. Um, what an upsetting way to think about it. Thank you for that gift on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um... I was happy in my ignorance, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot about bird wings. <laughs> um, no, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and also, I used to pretend I was a wolf as a child. So, like, you know, um, <laughs> uh, um. So, like, it would make more, it always makes more sense to me if that's the case. And, like, whenever I envision the morphing, that's what I envision. But that's clearly not how morphing works in these books. And there's no better indication of that than this, where her head just turns into a starfish arm. Um, and, like, there's not much that is analogous between a starfish and a person. Uh, hmm. but, you know. Their head, I, I, one I, of their arms is not a head. Um, I suppose one, and I suppose it was just the whole uh, doyalistic or no Watsonian mm-hmm. approach would be Watsonian. Yeah. It's yeah, it's how they think about it as the mm-hmm, children. Like mm-hmm. it feels like their knee is changing direction. Mm-hmm. It feels like because they don't have a better frame of reference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but I hear you. Yeah. I mean, you can also make the argument that, like, it's alien technology and alien technology doesn't know what the fuck to do with all this Earth DNA. That's true. Um, but it's, That's, it's just but yeah, an interesting. The fact thing that they go through this changing state and it is an instant 
Mm-hmm. Like you say, like th- at the end of the day, even if you like dial back to like just the base elements, uh, it's a carbon-based life form at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it's the same building blocks, just in a different shape. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if upsetting, if the kids just happen to just like fall down into like a pile of primordial goo and then the new mm-hmm. morph came out of it. Yeah, fucking like Alex like Mackett. Al- I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> so yes, but that visual, but like you say, the act, the fact that that it's portrayed as one form shifting into another, and I wonder if it's because it's meant to be evocative, like when we've seen like werewolf transformations, yeah. or even like very David Cronenberg's The Fly, like mm-hmm. one form actively becoming a, like in the name, they are morphing, they aren't. Just mm-hmm. changing. They aren't being transformed. They are literally being stretched and pulled into a different form. Right. Right. This like, seems like very counterintuitive, Andalites. Given that yes. we know that you just shunt a load of stuff off into Z space, which is how <laughs> I assume the anti morphing ray works, because clearly you just have to like suck everything back out of Z space and then block off Z space. That's mm-hmm. very clever. And I'm here. I should stop trying to justify the tech <laughs> in my head, but also I'm going to think about it because of who I am as a person. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, the, like, I could, I could sit here and (laughs) probably give a a more anatomically correct morphing version of a human going to a starfish. Um, Hey, hey, dear listeners, if you want this when the episode drops, ask Danielle super nicely and we'll we'll ask them to write it out and put it in the server. I'll I'll leave it here at the one YouTube video I wrote of, or not I wrote the one YouTube video I watched, um, about how humans are donuts. Uh-huh. So I'll just leave it there. <laughs> I hate when they do this. Listen, save me. What am I, how am I supposed to do the rest of a podcast? I've just been informed that humans are apparently donuts, and now I have to talk about this weird ass characterization of Rachel Animorphs for two hours. <sighs> it's, it's, it's very good. But anyway, Rachel turns into a starfish, however, that may be characterized or described. And realizes, oh, turns out starfish can't see. Also, they can't hear shit. Uh, they've just got all those little legs. There's that is that good footage around of what the underside of a starfish is actually doing mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. it moves across the sand. It's incredible, and I can understand why people would never want to see it because it is a little bit horrifying. But I just think it's cool. I but, found uh, the original video. <laughs> terrifying. Anyway. Um, <laughs> And Rachel's giving herself a hard time because this is a new morph in an unfamiliar space, um, but she manages somehow to accidentally come upon the earring, which is great. Uh, it takes her about 10 minutes to get hold of it, like get the limbs to her, but uh, she manages to. She gets up to the lip of the pool, out into the dry, and then is cut in two by uh, this family showed up. And a kid with a metal spade. Why are you giving a toddler a metal shovel? I don't, I don't know. That's know. a terrible idea. That's a kid losing a finger right there. Um, but 
she's like gets hit with this pain, uh, realizes that she's been cut in half immediately, and is like, okay, got to demorph, 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 and she knows exactly what to do. Um, and as she continues to demorph, she sees that there's half of the starfish left in the pond, uh, in the tidal pool, uh, with the earring. And we immediately start to see that something is off because uh, she sees we have this immediate react, visceral reaction to this child, let me stress. And she's just carving a, a rotten, filthy little brat and she's threatening to kill him, morph grizzly bear and tear him apart. No, not this kid, Bailey. It's Bailey's fault. And then she just screams out, I'll kill you, ba- Bailey, I'll kill you, I'll murder you. Mm-hmm. Just instantly like that. And it's drowned out by the waves. And because I mean, it occurred to me it's a good that killing Bailey was pro- probably an overreaction. But at the same time, it would teach him a lesson. And it's like... What? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Rachel doesn't react this way to injury either mm-hmm. most of the time. Like, yeah. in the heat of battle, sometimes it'll be like, okay, right, well, you asked for it. Um, and we'll just, like, charge in. Mm-hmm. But this sort of... Even when we see Rachel, like, fully in the heat of it, it doesn't feel like this incoherent sort of rage. And I think yeah. there is a difference between anger and rage as well. Mm-hmm. But... This is the berserk of the berserker that we're seeing yes. here. And it is such an extreme. And maybe the justification is because it's not being tempered by anything. It's just mm-hmm. being left unchecked. Mm-hmm. But that immediate reaction of, oh, I need to kill that kid. No way. I need to kill that boy because he made me wait a couple of minutes to deal with his bullshit. Yeah. And then I got cut in half. Uh, well, no, killing him's a bit much. It'd tell him a hell of a lesson, though. And it's sort of like, the yeah. fuck? It's, it would be better if it were that kind of snowballing that we saw just mm. a little, or a little, like half a chapter ago, where it's like she's really mad at this small child. Um, no, it's not the small child. It's Bailey. Oh, Bailey was a fucking creep. Like, you know, and, and just like, like you said, out of control of it, where it's just like it starts almost mm. at a reasonable level of anger and frustration, and then with nothing to temper it, it spirals out of control. But that's never what we see here. We just see nothing to I will murder you, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like most of us have played a lot of tabletop games, like this full on murder hobo vibes is not. Yeah what we're used to from her. Yep. Um, at the top of the next chapter, uh, we get Rachel demorphing again. And isn't that weird? Uh, because she just demorphed. Uh, and the other weird thing is the way that it's described. I finished demorphing. It was a terrifying, hideous experience. But the alternative was even worse. I demorphed in a total, like, panic. I wasn't even thinking, just screaming inside my mind, screaming and begging for it to be over. And it, we, we see very quickly 
like, I like this chapter because it is a much better way of, like, revealing that something is very wrong as opposed yeah. to zero to 60 murder. Um, because it's like, it makes sense for demorphing from being literally cut in half to be terrifying. Um, you know, you throw in a little bit of like the language is slightly different that she uses. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then you get to the point where it's like, she's extremely unable to focus, unable to figure out why she did the things that she did, unable to, uh, like choose between options. Mm. Yeah. And I was, one element I like is, um, this, we don't see nice Rachel morph again till the back end of the book. Mm -hmm. And if they wanted to highlight the fact that deep down Rachel has a fear of morphing mm. or is scared when morphing, that feels so out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Because up to this point, there might be the odd morph, but we haven't had Rachel struggling with being in morph really since the shrew back at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Marco, yes. I could absolutely see him, a separated Marco, terrified of morphing. Mm -hmm. We've seen Marco's track record, <laughs> which continues in this book, to be clear, um, with an altercation that happens, in my opinion. But mm. it feels strangely, I suppose, out of character. Because I can't recall any instances, and in, certainly in recent books, where morphing has made Rachel nervous. Yeah. Yes, she's the only one that had the allergic reaction. Stupid fucking <laughs> crocodile bullshit. That silly. <laughs> um, but it feels like mm, I don't know. Yeah, and like it, the fact that she then has to be like, like nice Rachel, when she has to be coached through every morph and like basically mm -hmm. forced to morph, but like, mm, yeah, I don't buy it. I do, I do like how it's described at the end, where she talks about how it's like, you know, when you're afraid of something but you do it anyway, um, like you're you're able to back rationalize it, like, oh, it wasn't that bad, and so it's easier the next time. Um. Mm. And she just, like, doesn't have that. Like, it is it is exactly as scary as the first time every single time. Um, mm. Which, you know, considering some of the morphs she has to do. Bird, I don't understand why she's so fucking grossed out about it. Uh, Not everybody feels the way you do about <laughs> birds, Dad, yeah. <laughs> like starfish i kind of understand cockroach fly i understand this because we have been consistently told by everybody that these are like the worst morphs to go into nobody likes them they've just gotten so used to them at this point that they don't freak out um we saw david freak out morphing roach uh in one of his books so, like, it makes sense that someone who is unable to draw upon past experience in order to talk themselves through it to be afraid of morphing. But 
I, you know, I think it's, uh, it's a cheap way if, to remind the audience that morphing is supposed to be frightening. It's also a contrivance of the plot for why nice Rachel doesn't morph and therefore is less yeah. useful. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, but yeah, so, uh, nice Rachel sees mean Rachel walking away, doesn't recognize her because people usually don't really recognize themselves first blush in real life. Um, like in a picture, yeah, you're searching for yourself. But if you, <laughs> if you saw yourself from behind in real life, I don't know that you would immediately make the guess that, oh, that's me. Um, uh, so, she picks up the earring, which she rescued, um, and goes back to the rest of the class. I ran back to the others, too. I needed to be with, like, people. I needed to have familiar voices and faces around me. So scared. I was shaking. I was going to go on shaking forever. Was I insane? Why had I done something as reckless as morphing a starfish? And, and why had I been, been so mean to Bailey? All he'd wanted to do was compliment me. He just wanted to say he thought I was pretty. Why had I been so, like, harsh and stuck up? Later, I would, I would have to find the time and the right way to apologize. Maybe if I went on a date with him. Oh, wait, no, that would hurt Tobias's feelings. I was sure it would. I was supposed to go flying with Tobias after school. We did that a lot, me and Tobias. Tobias is a nothlet. That's an Andalite word for a person who stays in morph past the two-hour limit. Tobias was trapped now as a red-tailed hawk. They are very scary birds. I mean, he's a boy, really. A very sweet boy. Like Bailey. Only, I could kiss Bailey, couldn't I? Yes, I could. It would be nice. Nice kissing Tobias, too, if he was a human morph. They were both cute. They were both nice, sweet, gentle, kind, all those good things. Only, Tobias killed mice and ate them, which is not at all that sweet, really. Oh, well. <laughs> I think I... This goes to say about something about language. When reading it, I was not picking up very much on the use of, I forget, the interim words, or mm -hmm. I forget the linguistics term yeah, for I the use of things called. like, like and, and maybe. Because I use that, I use maybe yeah. a lot. Mm hmm And it's interesting when you read, like, in text, like, I... I now. <laughs> the second you start thinking about it, you become so hyper aware. But I am so used to those words, I don't even read them mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my brain understands that. Is it a transitive word? Maybe. Either way, it's a, or a filler word, but it's an implication about your brain is processing things, and those words are giving your brain time to process. And I, and it's frequently a mocked thing to use it because teenage girls and like everything teenage girls do, it is mocked because a teenage girl yep. is the worst thing you can be. And uh, there's something very interesting to me about this mental spiel that's going on here because we don't often see Rachel get caught up in her thoughts like this mm -hmm. or when we do, it's not these kinds of thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I find, as I said, 
a lot of the, I'll say a lot, some of the nice Rachel stuff I do find quite compelling for that reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we have seen, no, like, Rachel is one of those who's thought about quitting a couple of times. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I could just go with my dad, couldn't I? And the implication of missing the life before, as good as, and as much as, a, as she does enjoy getting to fight, there's still mm. also a part of her that is this very stereotypical mall rat, likes shopping, likes fashion, likes boys. Like, although she gets annoyed with it now, and that's part of the development we've seen from her, but there's also, like, in the book with the teen heartthrob, Rachel and mm-hmm. Cassie both just like, oh, he's so dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen that from her. And I suppose to give the book maybe more credit than it's due of Rachel falling back on ways teenage girls are supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. And like, because the whole becoming the mask thing. And now yeah. there's just nothing behind it. All she has is this pretense of being a normal teen girl. Yeah. Because the fight is gone. Yeah. It's <laughs> the thing that stuck out to me is um a mm-hmm. <laughs> I yes, I know. immediately angrily angrily uh uh jealous on Tobias's behalf. You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how dare Rachel in character question my ship? How dare she? I wrote, she has two hands, Danielle. I mean, right now she has four. So Fair. You know what? Fair. But I, I wrote in the comment, I can't believe I want to start a ship war, ship war with one of the people in the ship. Oh, see, I've definitely been in that position before. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's a discourse marker. That's what it's called. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Also called a filler word. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, I find nice Rachel to be very interesting. I find what they're saying with nice Rachel to be very interesting. Um, uh, it is also exhausting. It is exhausting to read um because it she is constantly debating with herself, unsure of whether she can do a thing, um going back and forth of like no, I can't do that, but I have to. Yes, I but I I can't. Um and well, and all, all of, of us with a- all of us with anxiety are here John Mulaney <laughs> voice like we know, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it is just, uh, tiresome to read, Mm. um, in, you know, we, we've seen some of the kids be anxious before. It's just like, it's Mm. spelled out here. Yeah. In a way that it isn't uh, in other places. It's something that's actually a comment that I've received on my prose before. Mm. I don't know whether it's something that's relaxed now, is that when you read my writing, it reads like I talk. In that mm. there's a lot of long sentences that move very quickly. 
<laughs> thoughts like flicking very fast. And when somebody pointed that out to me, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Mortifying ordeal of being known. But the f- they have done an incredible job in the, sh- shut up, of writing what it is like to have that runaway thought train because it's exhausting to be stuck in a thought loop like that. And exhausting. Danielle's still laughing at me. <laughs> We're 60,000 words into writing a one fic and I've just pointed out something and now they're going to go back to that document and read it and go, yeah, no, actually, that is true. I mean, really, I it's never- ju- it's, I'm telling on myself because of how, how much we were talking yesterday about how well our writing meshed. <laughs> <sighs> we're getting off topic. Let's talk about this really sad moment with Dahlia. Yes, yes. Um, so... <laughs> So a girl named Dahlia comes up to Nice Rachel and is like, are you okay? And Nice Rachel says, oh, does it show? I asked, pressing my hands against my face. Probably either talking about, um, referring to the fact that she was just morphing and hated it or just the anxiety that she's having right now. Um, And Dahlia says, forget it. Why would I try to be nice to you? All I get is sarcasm. And she's described as looking disgusted. Oh, Dahlia, I said, reaching out for her. I'm sorry you feel that way. Really, I want to be friends. I really, really do. Dahlia made a face. You know, you were always stuck up, Rachel, but lately you're just this total, like, witch. And... (sighs) Nice Rachel is obviously trying to be very genuine here. Yeah. It makes me wonder-one... I just have some visceral memories of being around other teenage girls in a way that is not fun. Um, but it makes you wonder what Rachel is like with her classmates mm-hmm. for this impression to have um, have been so firmly entrenched mm-hmm. with the other girls in her class. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, like teenagers can be mean. Everything's dialed up to 11. You take stuff more personally than it is. We've all been there, but it's sad to see it happening in real time, like this assumption yeah. of um, bad acting on Rachel's part. Mm-hmm. And some sort of, but that ha- that doesn't happen instantly. That is something other people have picked up on about her as a person mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw a little bit of it at the beginning when she's talking about how everybody kind of avoids her. And just the way that she reacts to Bailey, where she's just like, fuck off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easy to imagine a Rachel who just, one, exudes this air of don't talk to me. And two, when people do try to talk to her, she gets impatient and frustrated because she can't connect with them anymore. And a big neurodivergent mood. Yeah, and and just finds a way out of the conversation as fast as possible. Um, and sometimes I find that it... probably means telling them to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, there is something interesting. One, this is a pet peeve of mine, uh, but and I get, I understand why. But the use of witch in place of bitch, yeah. just like we all know what you're saying, so either say it or don't. Frankly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um. But I think it says something as to the way Rachel's behavior is regarded as stuck up 
Whereas mm-hmm. if Rachel was a boy, I think it would be regarded very differently. Yes. And the sort of way teenage girls and just like people like socialized as women are expected to be socially. Like mm-hmm. if Rachel was a boy, she'd probably, oh, he's so broody, such a loner, doesn't want to talk to anybody. It would be mm-hmm. a point of in, in their favor. But yep. because Rachel is this tall, beautiful blonde, She's just like, I don't want to talk to people. I want to be left alone. I just want to do mm-hmm. my own thing. Peter, mm-hmm. why is she such a bitch? Yep. Like, resting bitch face. She thinks she's better than the rest of us. Well, Rachel's probably just doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. But because teenage girls are expected to act a certain way, like, even though Cassie doesn't look like your typical teenage girl, she, and we know she doesn't have a lot of friends at school, she's friendly. Mm-hmm. And again, she's like, how much of that, well, we know Cassie just likes people and is a people person, but it's also just like how much of that is learned behavior she has because yeah. you have to act a certain way to get by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just really sad. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it's a little dangerous to go down the road of, like, talking about what each of the Rachel's desires mm. mean for the whole Rachel. Yeah. Um, because, because mean Rachel is so bastardized. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if looking at it for nice Rachel at least I think it is really sad and haunting that Rachel really wants to have these connections with other people and can't make them anymore yeah in part because of that other side of her that has soured these relationships um Mm. I think she's better off without them because these people are obviously awful. But like it it makes me very sad mm. that she wants to have these friends. It it's I mean it's again it's it's the reminder that these are literal children in a literal mm-hmm. war that has alienated them from all of their peers. Yeah, I mean we've talked before about like the PTSD and the trauma and like how this is a deliberate representation of like what a lot of veterans experience when they come mm-hmm. back from mm-hmm. uh, fighting in conflicts mm-hmm. and how you do feel removed from the people around you because of you've been through experiences that they haven't. And that isn't unique to soldiers either. That my understanding, I've not had to deal with anything of that sort of uh, extreme but the symptoms of PTSD will remove you. I mean, I suffer from disassociation from time to time and things like just as a virtue of um, my autism and my depression. Mm-hmm. So, bah. yeah, like it, it's sad. Like seeing that desire for normality and being a person because people can both hate an aspect of something but also want Mm -hmm. to just enjoy it 
Mm -hmm. You you are allowed to have mixed feelings about things. And so often, I think, and it feels like it's so often like people demand black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. They need to know how you feel about something and you're only allowed to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that's unrealistic and unfair. You're allowed to have mixed feelings on stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So nice Rachel gets on the bus to go back to school. Uh, Mean Rachel apparently just fucks off because the next we see of Mean Rachel is she's in Tobias's meadow um, to, you know, meet him to go on their flying date. 